I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. I'm going to start then. Give me your best gash stories. I'm Beth Murray, and this is One Torn Every Minute, the podcast where we talk about giving birth. Today, I'm joined by the wonderful author and journalist, Marianne Levy. Welcome, Marianne, to my virtual womb with a view. Um, Firstly, can we gently tug at your umbilical cord by summarising how many times you have given birth? I have given birth twice. Twice, right. Mm -hmm. That's the average, isn't it? Um... I am going to make you do something rather uncomfortable now, and that is choose your mm-hmm. favourite child. Um, because what we do in this podcast is we tend to focus on one birth. Um, and by favourite, uh, let's be clear, I don't really mean favourite. I mean sort of the most grim, <laughs> the most interesting, the most juicy of your births. Which one was it? Was it first or I, second? I will go for my first birth, Um so my first birth um, was the usual manner. Um, my second birth was an elective section. Um, so I will go for my first birth. Well, I also want to dip into the second birth because I love variety um, in our stories. So the fact that you've experienced both types is really interesting. Um, so we're going for your first birth. And what year is this? Oh, God. Um, 20... <laughs> I know, immediately don't know how old my children are. Um, 2014, that would have been. May 2014. 2014 with my daughter. And can we set the scene? Um, how was the pregnancy? Um, oh, I mean, it was... Uh, so I, I'm not good at being pregnant. I, mm-hmm. You know, you hear about... I've heard about people who have the glow. I never experienced the glow. Um, I... I'm very short. I had very bad water. <laughs> sounds like such a non sequitur. I, just, I, I didn't experience well, I mean, the glow. I'm very short. Well, I mean, I just blew up. I looked like a kind of a weeble or what are those? A um, um, space hopper. I look like a space hopper, but with sort of fuzzy blonde hair on the top. And I, so I blew up. I put on, I don't know, just loads of weight. I sat around pretty. I, I had no, I had no faith that I would be particularly good at giving birth. I didn't I didn't think I'd especially be bad at it, but I certainly didn't have any particular optimism about it. And I, I didn't particularly do pregnancy well, so that there wasn't any sense of, well, bring it on, childbirth is going to be my thing, because I, I, I was pretty certain it wouldn't be. So you're already feeling um, like not a natural mother. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, so to the point where we, we spent pretty much every spare penny we had on getting a private midwife on the basis that that would be 
some kind of way of making it better maybe and you know we we don't have loads of money i buy all my clothes in charity shops and so i was like well come with please we've got you know let's max out and let's get private midwife partly because i thought she'd have gas and air and maybe i could get a bit of pain relief earlier on in the process oh i see you know like private gas and air in your house yeah because they do home births and i was never going to have a home birth i was always very clear I mean, that that I was going to go into hospital, but I thought, oh, you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll get the gas and air in a bit earlier. I'd never thought um, about that. That's a really good idea. The sort of private administering of ju- drugs in the home. Yeah, I didn't get any. No, but it's a good plan. I mean, um, yeah, it was a great plan that didn't come off. But... You know, we've really established um, in the course of the interviews that I've had with women that the plan never goes to plan. But uh, it's good to have one. And that that is quite an unusual and canny plan, if you don't mind me saying. Well, I, that and the other thing I wrote I, on my birth plan is I wrote yes to epidural, no forceps. And so those were my kind of three. Yep. I think I wrote, I think my main it. thing was just no to episiotomy. If if I'm going to have an episiotomy, then we're going to pack up and go home and I'm not going to have a baby. That That's my Ever. plan. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that was How my did that go back? <laughs> <laughs> well, come to that, won't we? Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're... Um, so you've blown up like a balloon. Yeah. Um, did you feel sick or, you know, tired or what? Oh, everything, 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 everything. And my back was terrible. And the thing that set it all off, that, well, I mean, I suppose it, all sorts of things could have set it off, but I had a deep tissue massage. Um, I think it was the Monday of the week that I gave birth. And it, we are talking a whole week here. Um, but I had a deep tissue massage for my back because I was really in pain and don't have a deep tissue massage the day before your due date it's a really (laughs) terrible idea because I then had a very painful back all the way through labor because labor hurts your back and you know how how painful you are to touch after a deep tissue yeah you really don't want someone just yeah and so every time my husband was kind of pushing on my back I was going ah don't touch that it's really sore so but how did you find someone to give you deep tissue massage because I had a bad back in uh, when I was pregnant and m- my experience was that wherever I went for massages these kind of pre the, the pregnancy massages that you can get were the most namby pamby absolute shite laying on of hands that I've ever experienced because nobody really dares touch you properly because they're so well, worried I, I was so pregnant and I mean, I, you know, it was the day before my due date, I think, or two days before my due date. I suspect the feeling was so long as he didn't touch the front of me. That it was cooked he, enough. It didn't you know, it, it was cooked. Um, and it, yeah, and I, so I had the massage and then went back upstairs and felt a bit weird and then possibly too much information. I lost my plug. Ooh, um, I love yeah. the <clears throat> detaching of the mucus plug. And, no, and I just, yeah, I was in the bathroom, just went, oh, fuck. Like, here we go. Heralding the baby. Oh, yeah. fuck. Absolutely. I, I was, I mean, you know, yeah, I, I don't know what level of denial I was in. It's hard to of... be in denial when you look like a space hopper. And yet, and yet. Um, yeah. So had I, you I done lost anything, my plug. Had you done anything, you know, new age, like uh, hypnobirthing or anything to sort of yeah. ease you in? Nah, don't, don't, I, I, I don't not believe in it, but I'm not that sort of person. And therefore I felt like I wouldn't be able to give myself enough to it for it to work on me. 
So I, I mean, I'm that person too, and I paid for it, and it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing notes all around your house, positive (laughs) affirmations, and my internal (laughs) reaction to them told me that I could never put those notes all around my house. So we, we just didn't. Um, I mean, I, you know, I did NCT and things like that, and we had a birthing ball that I used for, you know, maybe nine seconds, but. yeah, it's no, no, quite, no, nothing otherwise. Nothing it's quite boring, isn't it? Because um, I think that, like, um, I was talking to someone about perennial massage that you can do in the last oh, yeah, we few did weeks. Do that. We did, did you do that. When you say we, because yeah. well, I did it myself and it's hard I, to do. I couldn't get to it. I exactly. Mean, it's a reach around. Being really short. I couldn't get, my torso just wasn't long enough. I couldn't, I couldn't get around it. So... We bought, well, I think my husband had been dispatched to get the almond oil. And there was a night when he went, well, sh- shall we do this? And I kind of went. <gasps> Did he do it for you? Well, very briefly. And then we both agreed that he had to stop and we would never do this again. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just, for some I, reason, yeah. I can find myself going red at the thought. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I, I'm going pretty red at the thought of it. It was, yeah. and Again, I mean, I it, is, it actually completely makes sense because it's hard to do because of the reach around. But <laughs> it, just, it just didn't occur to me that you could ask your partner to do it for you. I'm so oh. I'm obviously so prudish. Um, <laughs> but it is, I mean, it, it's a difficult thing to do because you don't know how much you're supposed to do it. You don't know what the sensation is supposed to feel like. So, you no. know. And I, I think, again, I just thought, well, I don't know how stretchy... We're supposed to be making things, but I suspect it's not going to be stretchy enough. I mean, yeah. So yeah. We, we, we did that for maybe a minute and a half before I called a halt to it and put the almond oil back in a cupboard. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure um, that yeah. minute and a half made all the difference. Mm, nah. <laughs> um, anyway, so back, yeah. back to your mucus plug, um, mm-hmm. which has come out in the bath. Is that right? I know I was on the loo. I went to the loo after um, I went to the loo after the massage um, and had a wipe and a tremendous amount of business. <laughs> was there. Do you think the went, massage oh. actually brought it on? Yeah, yeah, mm. I do. I think. I mean, I don't know, but it was pretty intense, and then that happened immediately. I mean, it, it could have happened during it, so. And, and I, you know, also I was, you know, it was a day or two before my due date. I mean, I was, yeah. in a sense, I suppose I was quite lucky. I didn't get massively overdue as a lot of people do on their first. Yeah, your timing is I, good. I say it, in a sense, I was quite lucky. The whole thing was dreadful. But <laughs> <laughs> not, not very lucky. But. So there's the business. And what did you do mm-hmm. next? Um, told my husband after the dude had gone. Um because uh, I think we, we split the mass um, between me and my husband. So I got the first half hour. My husband got the second half hour, then was feeling all relaxed. And then I kind of waddled downstairs and went, I've lost my plug. <laughs> um, and then not much happened. Um, so had a sort of odd occasional contraction. Um, I think I sent my husband into work the next day. Which and I then... feel is quite hardcore. Well, no, I mean, it was just sort of cramps at that point. Yeah. And then I think, and then I had, you know, the first thing that I thought, oh, yes, no, that probably is a contraction. Um, and then I finished work on the manuscripts that I was doing. I sat down <laughs> at my computer and um, well, finished off my book and sent it to my agent. And, you know. I'd heard someone things. doing their tax return while they're in the early stages of labour. So yeah. this this is no surprise to me. It's a nice distraction. Um, well, you know, I felt like I'd achieved something. Yeah, get um, it done. Yeah. 
Um, and my husband came home and I think he'd said, you know, it's starting now. So sort of started his pat leave. Um, and then the contractions slowly ramped up, slowly ramped up, slowly ramped up. And then by about Wednesday night, this was, so I think all this sort of, by about Wednesday lunchtime, I was having, you know, sort of reasonable contractions. By Wednesday evening, you know, proper kind of shouty contractions. And we phoned, so I, we phoned this private midwife and she heard me going Rah! on the phone um, and said, okay, I'll, I'll come, I'll come, I'll come. Um, turned up and I said oh where's the gas and air and she said oh no we would a bit, bit early for that no no we're <laughs> going to keep that for later like, ooh, ooh. yeah that was a bad moment birth is um, just one bringing down to earth isn't it because oh, there's, that, there's that early bit where you get contractions and you go you know this, you know what this isn't too bad I mean I mean I'm not really sure what all the fuss is about I think I'm I mean I think I'm probably gonna be able to <laughs> take this um and then from then on it's just downhill well, mine was, no, mine was peaks and troughs, actually. So at this point, so the, the midwife comes over and this is, you know, everything is pretty grim and I'm not enjoying it much. Um, but she, she checks me and she says, oh, you're one centimetre dilated. Um, Which in and, itself is a bit of a disappointment, isn't it? Yeah, you... but she said, oh, you know, you're getting strong contractions. You know, you're, you're clearly in a reasonable amount of pain. Um, let's hook you up to the, so I think we hooked me up to the TENS machine. And, uh, yeah. Well, how you know, did you find I, that? Well, I used it for probably nearly a day and then eventually it fell off during a contraction and I realized it had been making the contractions marginally worse right it's not great advert for tens well I'm the only person that I know that that's happened to so I you know I clearly something slightly or we put it on wrong or something I don't know but Hmm. and and then you know it it was a relief not to have that strapped to me anymore but so she stayed for about six hours 10 hours she stayed overnight while I kind of bashed around the house lowing and making noises and but you know was sort of excited at least thinking well you know in the morning I'm probably going to have a baby this this is you know here we go Mm. and she would look at me and go oh you're doing really well and I'd think I don't think I'm doing that well but but okay they're supposed to say that though aren't they when you say look at you do you mean she was checking dilation well, no, because she couldn't check dilation too often. Because, because of the infection. The infection. So she could only do it every few hours. But, you know, I sort of load and mood and, and bent over and rub rubbed my back and I said, ow. And then, so, you know, many hours later, she checked me again in the morning. Mm. Um, this is Thursday morning. And I was one centimetre dilated. Yeah, that's really demoralising. That, so that was a real low. Um, and then she went home. And Thursday was a very shit day. Right. I mean, I, I cannot emphasise enough how awful Thursday was as I just cried and bent over and howled and Rob tried me to get me to eat and I couldn't really. And there was a bit where somebody suggested putting me in the bath and I got into the bath and then had a contraction and just panicked and sort of sloshed about and couldn't get out. <laughs> Because a birth is really not the same as a birthing pool. No, because I think you need that sort of support bars on the side and you need a bit more depth so that you can actually move. And I was just sort of trapped in the bath like a massive fish in a saucepan. Oh, it was awful. Um, And then many hours later, um, the midwife comes back again and checks me. 
and I'm one centimetre dilated. Fuck! Yeah, this is this is now Thursday evening, and I. How at surely point, at that point we go right? We well, yeah. Else. Well, yeah, we did, and so I found out later that it was a lot later that it was a back-to-back labour. Which oh yes, um, they're awful. Yeah, so she was just you know she just wasn't my daughter wasn't moving down wasn't pressing on my cervix in the right way and you know it was my first birth anyway so I was just absolutely stuck with these agonising contractions that weren't leading to anything and at this point I said I'm. I'm, I'm not doing well. And she went, oh, no, no, you are. And I thought, God, what do I have to do in order to convince her that I am not doing well? Is it lie You've down in front of a You've got an A plus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I am not doing well. I am doing as badly as it is possible for a person to do. So I just at that point went, right, well, I'm out now. I, I wish to be dead. Can someone please come and shoot me? God, it was awful. Beth. Um, and, and things like, yeah, I, got, I remember things like, the contractions that the best bit of being in labor was the bit just before a contraction would peak because I knew then there was the maximum amount of time before the next contraction started. <laughs> yes, oh, I know awful. exactly what you mean. <laughs> it's just hideous. And I was sleeping between the contractions because I was so exhausted. But what that meant was that it felt like I was pretty much experiencing a continuous contraction because yeah. I would lose control. Oh, it's awful. So Thursday night, I say, right, I wish to die, please. Can someone shoot me? Because this is awful. And the midwife rings UCH and gets me admitted. That is the thing that she actually oh, can do. Because now she's that a is worth the money. Yeah. And it was a lot of money, but it got me in. I didn't go and I get I cannot tell away. you how much of a relief it is to do that, to not turn up and have somebody shake their head at you and go, go away again and stand on the street for all we care. Just to have that instant entry. It's well, it like was partly inspired club. by, yeah, but it was partly inspired by your story of breaking down in a lift or whatever it was, yeah. and being found by a midwife who said, "I think you need to go back." And I thought that that cannot happen to me. I will not let that happen to me. And I think we can agree that you should happen. carry on shopping in charity shops because your money was well spent. <laughs> it really was. It really was in that in that instance. So they got me in, and they gave me pethidine. Um, mm-hmm and heroin yeah and I didn't get high or anything but no you can't I don't sleep then that was that was really good I'm glad that that worked for you because I had pethidine and I don't really remember it making any kind of a difference so it's good Mm. to hear that it actually (laughs) has an effect no it did have an effect because I remember I was sitting on the the ward that you go into the antenatal ward and somebody next door in the cubicle next door was watching Made in Chelsea very loudly (laughs) and I didn't care so therefore the pethidine (laughs) clearly was working because I could just I just went yes um, I went to sleep um and the private, the, the private midwife now can't really do anything more. Yeah, it's insurance, of, isn't it? They're not yeah, allowed to touch Yeah, so she's, she's sort of just watching from now on. And so she, she goes. Um, and I go to sleep. And eventually the pethidine wears off. Um, how, long, how long? Friday morning, I think. Right. So you went into, you, saw, you sort of started on Monday. Well, I had sort of, so I lost my plug Monday night sort of occasional crampy contractions all through Tuesday, proper contractions from Wednesday lunchtime, um, sort of proper painful ones. It's now Friday, first thing in the morning. Hell of a working week. Oh Well, it took, I mean, it took a huge chunk of my husband's paternity leave before we had the baby. It was, yeah. I mean, that's just a killer, isn't it? 
what I think, you know, it doesn't occur to anybody in authority that you might need longer than two weeks. But that's what you're going to have a baby for a week. There's a big thing about, you know, oh, childbirth's awful, isn't it? It's awful. But, you know, it's a day. It's a day. (laughs) (laughs) Here we are. Yours was, though. Yours was very quick, wasn't it? Uh, It it wasn't too bad. It was about, I don't know, 15 to 18 hours, which I I count as pretty speedy, really. Um, but yeah, I think I'd be, yeah, I'd definitely be losing the will to live by day five. So we're we're on Friday. You've woken we're on up Friday. from the pethidin. I've also, remember, I've not really eaten or drunk anything now mm. for ages as well. Um, I've woken up from the pethidin and someone comes and checks me and I'm one centimetre. Shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so and at this point, so at this point, I really am like, I don't, I have no, I don't know what to do now. Um, and they admit me to the labour ward and they break my waters um, and there's thick meconium in my waters. Um, and um, my husband's summoned back to the hospital and I am in agony because the, the pethidin has worn off, um, contractions very strong now or I'm feeling them more strongly because I've, I've not got my waters and I'm bouncing around the room like a ping pong ball um presumably you're not dilated enough for an epidural well so later I had I had um the NHS very kindly gave me some therapy to deal with all of this and yeah. my nice psychologist went why did they not give you an epidural before they broke your waters and I had no decent answer to I that didn't, and I, I didn't know you yeah. could do that well, she seemed to think that you could, and because, and but anyway, they didn't offer it. I didn't take it, and I'm, I'm naked as well. It's very hot, and so I've got mm. all my clothes off. I'm running around screaming. Rob, I think we get some food. Some food turns up. Somebody has ordered me some food, and I remember Rob holding this plate of chicken, trying to get me to eat it, and I'm having a contraction. Go, get it out. <laughs> I can't imagine and, anything worse. Well, and because Rob's like, well, where, where do I put the chicken? I don't, what, what, just in a, with a get it out. Fuck off with your chicken. Yes, then Rob goes and puts the chicken in the corridor. Um, <laughs> and he's not a rule breaker, so he, you know, he doesn't want to leave the chicken oh, in I mean, anyone's way. I'm really equally. feeling the sympathy for Rob here. I mean, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> it was a real faux pas for him to put the chicken in the corridor. He's probably mortified still. Oh, God, and there's something about the smell of it. It's like, and, so I, and, and, you know, everyone's going, well, you've got to it. And then somebody does finally offer me an epidural. Oh, yes. And the midwife, the hospital midwife says, well, you've got to put some clothes on because the anaesthetist is not going to want to see you naked. you kidding me? Yeah, I'm not. And I also couldn't put any clothes on because I was having such terrible contractions. So she but- kind of has to wrestle me into a... I, Hang on, is this an anaesthetist, some sort of anaesthetist from the 18th century who's (laughs) offended by the female form? Yes, he didn't want to see my ankles in labour. I I don't know. I mean, I I, I don't know where she got that from, but she was very insistent. And because I was at that point, I think I was on my own for whatever reason. I think everyone else had, had gone off to do... I think Rob had gone to sleep. He, Rob's having therapy for the chicken incident. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so this this midwife wrestles me into a night. Is like, um, and then the anaesthetist turns up and gives me an epidural. And oh god, yeah, 
averts his eyes from your naked breasts. (laughs) Obviously, he's incredibly turned on, um, but pushes his erection away long enough to (laughs) to put a needle into my spine and give me the epidural. And it's great. Um, And all the pain disappears immediately. And I go straight to sleep because I'm knackered. My bowels go, who cares? Glory. I'm Tilly Steele. And I'm Helen Monk. And this is Bitchin'. I'm dyslexic. Yeah, why do you read the Wikipedia page? <laughs> it's good to practice. Yeah. A podcast where every week we talk about a different person. So how old was he when he first popped on the scene? That's a great If question. you say he was my age, I'm going <laughs> to fucking die. And we veer wildly off track. Pop that Prosec. <laughs> Available on all your podcast apps. That's not my... Can you not say er in the advert? (laughs) Available on all your podcast platforms. Just search Bitchin or Great Big Owl. We'll see you there. That was all right. (laughs) This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I'm glad the epidural worked so beautifully for you because I'm, I'm a bit out on epidurals. Well, and some people have like light ones and luckily there was no talk of a light epidural. I mean, I would have gone at this point for a full and general anaesthetic. <laughs> yes. Actually, I would, I would have gone for, for um, death by lethal injection if anyone had offered it to me. But they gave me the epidural and that was... They gave you both barrels and that was Yeah, good. they gave me both barrels. It was brilliant. I shat myself in the bed, didn't care. Um... <laughs> And I go to sleep and everyone, and they put me on the, the, the drip um, to get my contractions going more strongly. And I go to sleep and when I wake up, it's Friday evening and the midwife checks me again and I'm nine centimetres dilated. What? And this is, this is a great moment, finally. So hang on, you achieved that dilation while asleep? Yes, well, yes. I mean, I think we can we can take away your own D for how good you are and take you straight back up to an A. Cause well, yes, except essentially what we're saying is I'm really good at labour so long as I myself am not actually there. Yes. I mean, so long as I'm fully anaesthetised and unconscious, I'm, I'm ace at this. <laughs> well, there's a lesson for us all there. Uh, um, and I remember the midwife had a look at my flu and went, oh, lots of brown hair. And I was surprised. <laughs> Like, what, what do you mean? There's, there's, what, there's a babe? Like, I don't know what I thought I'd been doing for the past 
<laughs> Again, levels of denial, but I was... It's a lot to like, come oh. to terms with. Yeah. Um, but then, so all very optimistic. And then the hospital midwife has another look and says, yeah, you're not going to be able to push that baby out. That, that the position Why? is bad, too far up, stuck, not going to happen. What, how did she know from that? Well, I don't know. Maybe she had to use a telescope to see all that hair. I don't know. Because, I mean, yeah, um, if I'm seeing hair, I'm thinking, well, you know, quite quite on the way. Uh, well, what it was, I think, again, it must have been to do with the back-to-backness. I think her head was in a funny position or something. And my daughter's head, not the midwife's mm. head. I don't know what position her head was in. But um, she, so the midwife poddles off and finds whoever's in charge, the registrar or whoever, and tells the registrar, and the registrar says, without checking me, oh, no, no, push for an hour. She should push for an hour. Without checking, wow. Yeah. That's now, some box ticking going on there. Well, and I'm no sports psychologist, but I don't think that put me in the best frame of mind to push the baby out. No. I think when an expert has a look and goes, yeah, that's not going to happen. And then the I other think- person doesn't look and says, it is. Mm, I think I'll go with the person that had a look. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, also I was knackered. Yeah, you're I'd not in the best eaten. frame of mind anyway. I'd been very pregnant for nine months. You know, it's day 348 of labour. Yeah. And so they turned down the epidural and so I could feel the contractions, but I'm still on my back, which obviously, again, isn't a great position. And I push for an hour and the midwife is quite shouty. I would say the hospital midwife is shouting "push," mm. um, and nothing happens. Right. Um, and now it's Friday, eleven p.m. I would say, and everyone's agreeing that what I need a forceps, which was the one thing I'd put on my birth plan that I didn't want, my two-word birth plan yeah. um, that I didn't want. Um, so, but, you know, at this, at this am point, I right in thinking whatever. that there, there was no way you could have an emergency cesarean because she was too far down for that, but just not far down enough to do it, to carry on? Well, I mean, I didn't. I mean, actually, these days, having now had a cesarean, I would probably take the cesarean over forceps because well, it yeah. did leave me with you know fairly terrible birthing injuries. Um, but at the time, I really wanted to avoid a cesarean. And actually, given how long I'd been in labour, I would have the recovery would have been awful. Yeah. Um, um, so, so they went they, for forceps. Yeah, they went for forceps, and they were about. So they they got everything out, and they they gave, you know I saw the salad tongs, and they they got the the little light box ready to put to put the baby in, and blah 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 blah, and everyone got ready, and then they got paged to theatre for a proper emergency. And yeah, because you're away. not a proper emergency. So that must have been good for your um, state of mind. Well, I didn't mind the first time. I thought, okay, you know, they'll be back in half an hour and then they'll do me. And an hour passed. And then eventually everyone came back again and started again and got paged to theatre for an emergency. Jesus. Um, and this happened four times. Bloody hell. And so I, mean, I lay there, I mean, I lay there for five hours, nine centimetres dilated, trying to push because at that, you know, when the epi- when you've not got the epidural working anymore, yeah. you're, you know, you're pushing, you know, absolutely hopelessly. And eventually I worked base and I said, can I use the epidural because I can't bear this. And my midwife 
the hospital midwife went, no, because if you if you use the epidural, you won't be able to push the baby out. But And I thought about that for a bit. I thought, well, I'm not able to push the baby so out. So what difference I, does it make? And because I had the, I knew in the end, I ended up using the epidural because they hadn't taken it away from me. So mm. I figured. That was an oversight. It was awful. Yeah. Um, so my midwife, I think after the third person comes and then goes again, my midwife is clearly now panicking. Because I remember her going out into the corridor and I remember hearing people were out in the corridor chatting and my midwife running out and shouting, Costas, there is thick meconium, come and deliver this baby. Um, right. Which wasn't, a, again, that was a, you know, when your midwife panics, you think, well, this yeah. isn't. I mean, you want them bored of you. That's, that's the best yeah. scenario is them bored because it means that you're just so mundane and every day. Well, the thing is, I suppose I felt pretty mundane and everyday, but I felt like I was waiting to turn into the big emergency where I'd get paged. You know, I'd end up rushing into theatre. And obviously, you know, that's terrifying. And particularly with the meconium, I was worried that that the baby would end up with pneumonia or sepsis Mm. or something. So, oh, God, it was But I guess with all that paging and leaving you around, uh, it absolutely conclusively demonstrated that that baby was not coming on its own. No, no, no. There was there was no sense that that baby was ever going to come out. If you just left us, we'd we'd still be there. So, they you've been pe- they've been paged and you've been left for five hours, mm-hmm. and then they're coming back brandishing the forceps. Uh, just to clarify on forcep delivery, do they give you? Because when they do an episiotomy, they I think do they inject you down there to make it nicer or do they just cut i can't actually remember i remember feeling it well so we, probably... we, we still haven't had we, we we've we still got one more incident pre forceps. oh right okay in let's fact. Go we've, we've got one more we've got one more so at about two or three a.m i start to feel like i can't breathe properly i feel really weird and yeah. i think you know partly because you know you're not supposed to lie on your back at all when you're pregnant after the first 12 weeks. Oh, yes. Yes, I remember. Well, I've been saying. lying on my back for, you know, what, a day and a half at this point, And I start to feel really strange. And I say to the midwife, I can't breathe properly. I feel weird. And the midwife looks a bit pissed off with me and goes, what? I mean, should I hit the emergency button? And I went, well, y- yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I feel really weird. <laughs> don't think I don't feel like this should be my decision (laughs) um but she does and everyone comes rushing in and my temperature has spiked and they give me an oxygen mask and then I start to feel a bit better and maybe that's what kind of gets me up the list a bit I don't know but then yeah and then someone eventually does does come in and agree to take this baby out of me so and now we're at forceps yeah so do you get any kind of anaesthetic for forceps that they did just go in? Can't remember. No, that's that's, that's my problem. With with I think I didn't get any kind of injection for an episiotomy because I remember the sting of it, but I'm not actually sure because it does get a bit hazy. So they so they go in then. I think I might have yeah, and I think certainly I could feel afterwards because I remember feeling when I was stitched up so that whatever it was that they gave me, if they did give me anything, kind of been very long acting. Yeah. Um, but so at about 4am, a very jolly lady comes in and is all, oh, hello, hello. And I'm like, thank fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my memory, but I don't think this is what actually happened. She had to 
brace her foot on the table to yank my daughter out. I don't suppose she actually did, but it was, there was a lot of tugging before this baby emerged from me. Oh, um, poor baby as well. Yeah, and, you know, in all the very sort of newborn pictures, she's got this massive mark on her face from the salad tongs. And, and my husband is crying. Yeah. Is it the chicken still? <laughs> so he's, you know, looked at this kind of this scene and, it, you know, it's finished, it's over and he's, he's weeping at the joy of it and our baby's crying. And I'm just sort of numb. I'm just lying there. And mm. we've got this photo of me holding my daughter. You know, she must be, you know, half an hour old or 20 minutes old. And I'm not even really smiling. I'm just no. looking mightily pissed off. And shell-shocked. And shell-shocked. I'm just battered and I think I bled after the birth as well and I could feel her stitching me up and so did they I mean they must have given you a bit of an anesthetic for the stitch up no I don't I think she's I said I can feel this and the jolly lady went oh look at your baby oh because that's an anesthetic I didn't realize yeah I I must not love my children enough because looking (laughs) at them it's not enough Maybe they should have it in like dental surgeries and stuff when they're doing root canal, just someone wheels a newborn out and everyone. <laughs> it, it, yeah, and, but I think what I heard from that is shut up. And let um, me do this. Um, yeah. So, but if you, she was stitching you up, that sounds like it wasn't the worst tear? No, it wasn't. It wasn't terrible. I think it was a two. Does that sound. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's... I say it wasn't terrible. It was a massive tear in my vagina. And yeah, I yeah, yeah. Sit it's down never for good. A week but and, I mean. Yeah. I like I had a third degree tear from just a normal birth because I, I think mm. my my vagina must be very delicate. Um, <laughs> and I'm just thinking that I'm quite impressed that you went through all that with some fucking salad tongs up you and you got away with a second degree tear. I mean Well yeah, know. but it was it wasn't a tear, I suppose. I think they did cut me and it was yeah. all it was all very controlled because nothing was naturally coming out of mm. there so I, and you know god knows they have plenty of time to do it in so i mean what i what i was trying to say is it could be worse but to be honest Ooh. it could it, you know it, <laughs> it really pretty much was as as bad as it could be um well, it's a very so, small so mercy I, yeah i mean you know when i compare it to my for my son's birth so he was an elective section because that what happened could not happen again yes. and for after my son was born i had a bladder infection i had an infected section scar you know he was really ill I was really ill and I would still take that birth Mm. over my daughter's birth because at least people were attentive I think that the the horror of Willow's birth was that there was just no one around for a lot of it it just didn't feel like anybody was in charge I certainly wasn't in charge I just felt very kind of lost oh it was it was it was it was hideous and I I don't think I'd ever experienced that thing where in normal circumstances when you say I'm in a tremendous amount of pain people go oh god what can we do and when you're in labor everyone goes brilliant I'm going for a coffee I know it's an essential point about labor and obviously you know if men went through it we'd probably do it in a completely different way but it's sort of assumed that women will just get on with it and that this is normal and actually pain is good um it's a very odd aberration yeah and then you know there's a lot of the time whenever I tried to talk to people about it in the first you know few weeks and months after I got back people would 
inevitably say, oh, but your daughter is beautiful. Isn't she worth it? Hmm. And, I, and I sort of thought, well, it's a really odd equation that you're drawing because you would never it's... say to somebody after a car accident, but cars are cool, aren't they? I mean, you know, you've got a great place... car out of this, out of the insurance. Yeah, and isn't it great that you can get to places really quickly? You wouldn't say that to somebody. Who it's a really weird example of whataboutery, isn't it? Mm. You know. But you've yeah. had a healthy baby, so therefore, shut up. Yeah, absolutely, and I got that all the time, which I, which is why I think we've never had this conversation. Not because I thought you would say it, but by that time I had been so schooled in shutting up yes and also because it takes ages you know this is a 45 minute story (laughs) minimum well let me tell you i've designed this podcast just so that we could have this chat thanks (laughs) i'm really blessed but i think and and that's partly why i wanted to start this podcast i think that is a um a kind of inclination is for women to just go yep yep on on and on onwards and upwards let's go And not kind of pause and reflect. And I know that primarily that I I like this to be funny and upbeat because I think that it's through laughter that you can kind of reclaim the experience. But equally, I think it's very important to share these stories and, and be allowed to say, you know, it hurt. It was a disappointment. I didn't feel good about it. Ooh. Um, and without fear of, of somebody going, yeah, but does that mean you don't love your baby? Yeah, absolutely. And I also, th- and you don't want to say this in front of people who, you know, might become pregnant soon, people True. who are pregnant. Men generally don't like it. I'm generalizing massively. Mm, but, yeah, yeah, no, I, I know. But people, what you, mean. you know, leave the room firmly or start another conversation about something else. And so that leaves you with a fairly limited pool of people that you feel you can start the conversation with which is a shame because mm. there's there's not many other things like that. And it's a very, very profound moment, um, unique and um, unique to everyone. I mean, we have these shared experiences that we can both identify with, but each, you know, what I've discovered is each birth story is unique and profound and they all deserve to be told no matter what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and I'm so and I'm so glad that you're doing this podcast. It's it's so wonderful to be able to hear people just talk. I found it, you know, it's it's and it's tremendously useful. You know, I I thought, oh, I was alone in thinking that I wanted, you know, death to claim me. And no, that happens <laughs> to everyone. But you know, no one would ever say that because it, someone would immediately start charming. But look at the baby. Yeah. I talked to someone the other day who was saying that they felt very underwhelmed by by the moment of birth that, that they expected to feel euphoric and oh my God, how wonderful I'm a mother. And they just felt utterly let down and underwhelmed, which is something Ooh. that I, I shared. I just felt so shocked. Um, and again, you know, you're not encouraged to tell those kind of stories because you worry that it will make you look like a bad mother. But I think it is important to be open about these things. Yes. And I and I, you know, it took me a very long time, I think, to feel bonded to my daughter. And so mm. when my husband, you know, was weeping at the beauty of it all, you know, I was quite envious. I thought, well, mm. maybe, you know, if I'd watched me give birth, I too could feel incredibly <laughs> connected to this tiny child. And yeah, with my son, I remember 
you know, I didn't meet him for a few hours because they whisked him off. So I remember having to go upstairs and find him in neonatal intensive care and go, which one is he? Oh, he's that one. Oh, hi. (laughs) (laughs) And it's... Which one is he? I love it. Oh, he's 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 not that one. It's that one. You know, like choosing a puppy, (laughs) except I didn't get to choose it. And, you know. Uh, um, So if you could go back to the Marianne (laughs) pre-childbirth, apart from saying have an elective caesarean, what piece of advice would you give yourself? Um, God, what piece of advice would I give myself? I'm having to think really hard about this. I think it's, you've got to talk even when people don't want to listen. Mm-hmm. Probably not even during the labour, but afterwards. I came home and I didn't really talk about it for ages. Mm. Or I tried to talk about it and then kind of shut up again because someone started telling me about their holiday. <laughs> and what that meant was it just really festered. And, you know, things like after I'd... After I'd had um, my little boy, I remember coming down from the theatre and, you know, I didn't have a baby with me because he was in intensive care. And somebody said, congratulations. And I thought at the time, well, don't congratulate me, you know, not even holding a baby. But I did tell someone about that quite quickly afterwards. And Mm. they went, no, that you're being absurd. It's fine. And I felt so much better. So I wish I'd had that the first time around. I wish I just talked and kept talking and made people sit and make faces and listen to me until I'd finished <laughs> I think that would have that would have helped a lot so it that, would, that have. would be, I, yeah. I agree with you and also I wish you'd really gone for it and showed the anaesthetist your tits <laughs> 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 and what I'm going to do with all these pieces of advice is I'm going to go down to the beach at sunrise mm. and oh. I'm going to carve it into the sand um, ready for a drone above to come over and take a really beautiful picture. But just before that, my dog's going to run in and dig everything up so it's just holes um, because I don't really believe in advice on this show. We don't yeah. have advice. We just have stories and talking. Um, so thank you, Marianne, for being oh, such you. a fantastic thank you guest so much. and allowing us to probe your uterus so profoundly. Oh, um, thanks for looking at my flu with me. It's oh, I lovely. loved it. It's a lovely view. <laughs> flu with a view. Um, <laughs> That's the next podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. Here we go. <laughs> Series three. <laughs> thank you very much and keep talking. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening to One Torn Every Minute. I hope you recover fully from the experience. See you next time. GreatBigOwl.com Heavy Pencil An actor of my experience, you just get wrong dry. A podcast sitcom with Anna Crilly and Tony Gardner. I played played Edmund Gilder and he played Fanny Snatch. The Observer called it a lovely thing. Wonderfully funny, pitched perfectly, produced with a light touch. I'm not having any more of this. I need you to pull me off immediately. Heavy Pencil from Great Big Owl. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.